right, so we are now live. This is the third episode of the Blue Politics Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the menthol cigarette ban and uh, syntaxes and other various policies related. So just to get started with here, uh, so want to, you know, for anyone that's not familiar, uh, say a little bit about the cigarette. Uh, I'm sorry, the menthol ban, and then we can go through and just and around and kind of see what people think. I need a moment. I need I need a quick moment. Um. So so in general, the uh, the current ban or that's being talked about within the uh, different federal branches, including the FDA, and through the Biden administration, um, is basically targeting the uh, sale of menthol cigarettes and um fa- uh, flavored cigarettes or cigars as a whole so this includes your um not not just menthol cigarettes but your like black cherry uh cigarellos and what and things of that nature as well so specifically it doesn't target um e-cigarettes um it does it does go after tobacco pro- flavored tobacco products Um, there. So this would cover. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, this would cover then uh, Swisher sweets, but not uh, you know vapes. Yes, it doesn't. It it's only it it only covers um actual tobacco and not um like e-cigarettes or anything like that. Okay. I'm actually surprised. I thought this was limited to a menthol ban. I didn't know it was that broad to anything uh, flavored. Okay, I, 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 okay. So I think primarily why that they seem to be banning this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, they want to ban this because they see that it affects primarily minorities, whereas like a majority of people have stopped smoking, minorities have largely not have stopped smoking. Right. So then the idea is to basically ban menthol cigarettes to then like, you know, encourage like, you know, people to no longer smoke these cigarettes. Right. Uh, yeah. For minority okay. group and uh, first time smokers is another group that is uh, heavily favored in menthols. And okay. uh, Tim, I might have misspoken. I think it, it, it is just menthol flavoring, but it includes menthol flavored cigars. I might have said. I think I said like black cherry okay. cigarellos, and I misspoke. Yeah, gotcha. it's it's specifically menthol flavoring, but it includes menthol flavoring like cigars and stuff like that. So, if that's the case, then this is a law that predominantly is going to affect minorities. And if it primarily affects minorities, then wouldn't this potentially actually cause crime rates to increase among minorities? Uh, okay, so I think an important aspect that we need to explain here is that the ban itself isn't on the possession, but on the production of uh, menthol cigarettes. So it would only affect the manufacturers and not the people actually consuming these products. Okay, Correct. so then what if, what if, since it becomes illegal, won't people just try to manufacture kind of like a street version of menthol? And do those people go to jail as a result? Uh, well, it would, it would be illegal the same way selling uh, like third party, like uh, aftermarket sales of cigarettes are already illegal. Yep, I'm gonna hard no on this. I'm a hard no on this. This is wrong. 
This should not happen. I think this is bad for, for, for minorities. It's bad for society. Yep. All right. So before I get too far into anyone's, um, let's kind of try to get a baseline. Um, uh, so some others here, Mike, Willie, uh, what do you guys think about this? Okay, so so personally, it is it is noble. Like the the cost behind it is something noble. Uh, I'm I'm from Germany. I live in the European Union. We already have such a ban. Uh, generally speaking, it has had a positive impact on on the amount of people smoking. Uh, I was still in school when when the ban got uh, put in place, and I've personally seen like people people say, "Oh, this isn't a menthol cigarette. We're not going to do this," uh, and you know. It, it has an impact, it has a noticeable impact, and it's something that is good in itself. The question is how you do it. Uh, in this case, I, I have to agree with, with Amanda that you would have a sort of black market that would arise with, with people similar to the way that bath salts ended, uh, ended up becoming, that people are just going to find their ways to make a legal version of this, and the government's going to have to catch on to it, uh, so on and so forth. And so while the message behind it and while the goal is noble the execution is kind of questionable and the money is probably better spent in either either setting up you know rehab programs campaigns to to stop people from smoking or establishing a syntax for example mike what do you think It doesn't strike me as something that is uh, meaningful or productive, that it doesn't have substantial interest and it goes further than necessary. There are 40 million people of color that would identify as black people living in the United States. And of those, maybe one in five at the most smoke. And they predict, so that's um, somewhere in the ballpark of 8 million people smoke. Um, they predict less than 250,000 will quit smoking because of this ban out of the black community. The CDC, that doesn't even strike half a percent of the population of smokers, you know, or a significant percent of the population of smokers. So it's, there's no substantial interest there for me. Um, it doesn't address all of the alternatives, um, people that could be trying to do it themselves, you know, and all the risks and adversity. It doesn't even suggest that they're going to open pathways for people to make that decision for themselves, and that this would be like a transition. It's just hard stop. Things going further than necessary. Casimir, uh, what do you think? Uh, I, I am siding with the with. Uh, I was actually worried that I would disagree with the German guy, but uh, I think we have a very similar conclusion. Um, I don't think that the reduction in smoking in the last, uh, you know, 30 to 50 years was because of bans on actual products. Um, I think it was because the, pro the level of propaganda, the level of making smoking appear cool in cinema and in, like, media uh, sold to and provided for young people, that got reduced um, and the sort of health culture um, replaced a lot of that. So smoking became less cool. And this is another explanation why 
you know, vaping had such an explosion because it provided a sort of another fad, uh, but this time uh, a slightly healthier one. Um, and so that, again, encountered a response. We should instantly ban it. Um, I think that even if your intentions are noble, the solution is not noble. Um, and the solution is basically to create more legislation that cannot be effectively enforced. Um, and so I think that overall, it's indeed an evil and a kind of ironic one. We have so many other issues in society. This was my approach to this topic from the start. It's like, why are we talking about this? But I guess that's important as an example of um, government doing what government likes to do, which is to solve problems that can't be solved immediately um, with solutions that are proven to not work. Uh, so for me, I, I take issue with this. It just, uh, I, I'm not seeing uh, a good reason to uh, be banning this. I guess I'm just kind of unconvinced. Um, I mean, from my perspective, menthol, uh, it may be more addicting. I've heard that said. I haven't really seen anything on it, but it's just a, to me, I'm, I'm just seeing another flavor uh, of cigarette or... Um, Potentially, we're talking about e-cigarette, vape, but I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to ban it to me. It, you know, if someone's going to put that in their body, it's their body and their choice. But those are my thoughts. Uh, truly false. What do you think about this? Yeah. Um, and really quickly to clarify again, because uh, of like all of the stuff I read on it, they tried to word it so so fucking weaselly where it was flavored cigars like menthol and stuff like that, it is actually all flavored tobacco products. So anything tobacco that is not tobacco. So I was, so I didn't misspeak when I, the first time things like black cherry, Swisher sweets are targeted in this. Um, now the idea of like menthol bands and stuff like that. Um, I'm not a big fan of government send taxes, and and the idea of like government coming in and saying you can or can't do anything you can or can't do something x thing that only impacts you um if we look at the idea of if we want government to help people quit smoking uh this isn't a terrible way to do it i mean uh when canada did it they ended up with like 20 percent of people quitting smoking um so it's not a horrible way about it i'm just i overall don't like the idea of the the idea of stopping smoking is beneficial for your health therefore the government comes in and makes you stop smoking okay if uh, i may oh sure go ahead. i, I go want ahead. i i don't want to i i can't directly challenge that statistic from uh, canada but i would caution you against uh, an implied correlation we don't know necessarily what caused the reduction in smoking. If there, if smoking was being reduced all over the planet for very you know, similar reasons, or at least in developed uh, nations for similar reasons, um, it's and if other regions experienced a reduction in smoking, uh, we can't say that this particular policy was a big contributor. Um, so maybe it had a certain contribution, but you have to be very careful with that. <laughs> Yeah, um, the the study specifically that I was quoting, uh, talk, it was talking about like the uh, the the quitting rate 
from menthol smokers and comparing it to the quitting rate from non-menthol smokers. So after they did the ban, how many people quit who were who didn't smoke menthols and how many people who quit who smoked menthols and comparing the rate between the two. Okay, That's so, more convincing. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, I want to I want to give another perspective on this since you've elaborated more on the actual uh, conditions of the ban. Uh, considering that it's generally speaking towards mental flavored products, uh, not not mental flavored products, uh, flavored cigar products in general, I I actually do agree with it more than if it would be a specific ban. Uh, now, no, this is multiple reasons. Obviously, I'm not for the government interfering in your personal affairs. Like bans, generally speaking, should be avoided if you can go for a syntax instead. The justification for that being is we all more or less pay a price into into the healthcare of one another, even in the United States, especially in Europe. In the US, you have it with products uh, with, with stuff like uh, Medicare, shit like that, where your taxpayer money actually funds the healthcare of other people or helps subsidize it. Uh, and so and so saying, hey, we, we ban or we make this product less accessible so less people consume it, uh, means less strain on the system itself, which is only fair considering that you're paying money towards it. Uh, obviously, the actions of one person is something that they can do, but if if it also involves spending the money of other people, which in this case would be taxpayer money, then we can say, hey, a, a syntax, or in this case, even a ban, might be a good option considering how widespread the problem is. And the European Union, you had a bad... The directive actually took uh, got into place later because it had a bigger market share than three percent. I believe it was about twenty-ish percent at the time of all smokers, and so it does make a significant difference to impose such a ban. Uh, I would have to find studies on the impact it had in the European Union, but at least from what I've seen as a person living here, uh, I did indeed see less people smoking. I guess my issue is is that like not whether or not. You know, there's going to be demand for that product. And because this is predominantly minority, this would have to mean that the end result is that this predominantly affects, uh, it's a law that would negatively affect minorities, at least anybody who is trying to make it. And so this would actually increase the disparities uh, in in prisons. And so I would, yeah, I'm hard no on this one. This is. This is abhorrent. The thing that really strikes me is you look at like the EU ban um, and tobacco companies just figured out new products and new ways to keep their customer base. Um, there's the little discs that they put in there. Uh, Canada was more comprehensive, but that didn't stop alternative methods of menthol, menthol tobacco. And, um, and and that I feel is going to be very real, and it shifts the market for them, opens up a new market, and they're not tracking that after these studies, or have anything to do with you know following up on that. They they just make estimates that you know twenty percent um, based on small surveys, and I just can't get on board with that. 
and then I look at Brazil, and they did that. They were the first country to ban menthol and flavorings. They have an illicit cigarette market because they're so expensive because they're taxed to hell. And that also extends into a, a illicit premium black market in Brazil. I predict that's going to be a thing in the United States where 70 to 90 percent of black smokers smoke menthol and 44 percent of black smokers in the U.S. said they would attempt to quit menthol cigarettes if they were banned, but would likely get them illicitly or an alternative product that was available. And they wouldn't uh, track, you know, and I doubt they'll track that to see what people do. Okay, uh, I want to give a different perspective on this uh, because, you know, you naming the example of Brazil in this case makes it seem makes it seem harsher than it actually is. Uh, when you mention Brazil, you're mentioning a country that has a, a de facto import tax of 100%. So obviously prices are always going to be higher on products that come from outside or source material that comes from outside, which is the case in Brazil. They have, I believe, a, a 20 or 30% federal tax uh, on imports, and then you have, you have communal taxes as well as state taxes, which bump it up to around about 100%. Uh, that's why I don't think that we can take Brazil as an example for you know other Western countries, such as the US or countries in, in the European Union, not much anymore now, but other, other Westernized countries outside of there, so New Zealand, Australia, stuff like that. I think those elements would still be into play with the United States in certain communities, like in areas. Of course, no one's saying that they that they won't be, but the actual impact of of these laws aren't comparable to what's going on in you know developing countries like Brazil. And Brazil, factually speaking, is a developing country. It's strange that we're we're gonna go into the weeds of these details and compare statistics, and yet we know that some. Um, some of the most addictive substances known to us, like heroin, um, that are far more dangerous than menthol, um, we experienced attempting to ban them. And the only country that um, uh, actually managed to significantly reduce the amount of people injecting themselves with these drugs, um, namely Portugal, um, ended up not using the force of the government to achieve that result. Uh, at least they didn't achieve it using um, police enforcement, but they did it through underlying socioeconomic conditions um, that led people towards wanting escapism, and they gradually weaned people off, like many of the people that could be saved were saved because of various community building um, and, uh, and detox activities um, and actually solving the underlying issues that led people there. And so we know that, that these types of solutions can work, especially in the most affected areas. When people are provided with an alternative, um, and when um, things are advertised to them um, that that provide an alternative, uh, incentivizing to them, you know, various vices, um, you uh, spend that money on on other things, uh, you end up with uh, a societal result that is beneficial, and yet. Um, we're we're led down this path that we, I mean the same justification could be made about the war substances. You know um, we have to pay for all of these people um, in um, that inject themselves with various dangerous substances because we're we're going to try to save them. We're going to deal with them uh, on the streets. So let's let's militarize and ban it and try to control them. And in New York, it will go down like to to the point where. Uh, sugary drinks should be banned and we should control that 
And then somebody might say, well, your intake of salt is a bit too high for me. And so I believe that because you're part of my city, I should control your intake of salt. And it's not a real slippery slope, but um, it can go quite ridiculous. And yet that's not the solution. I mean, it's clearly is clearly education and improvement of other socioeconomic factors so that people don't want to perform self-destructive behaviors is the solution that is working. Okay, uh, I don't, I don't want to bash on you, but uh, I don't particularly see where you, where you get your reasoning from in that case, uh, because Portugal is part of the European Union, so, so the actual sales ban on methyl cigarettes also a thing in Portugal. Um, it's also not about injecting products, but just the the availability of them. And so, like, like if it works in Portugal. From from your your explanation, then the EU ban works great because uh, it's it's an EU wide directive. Anyway, we're we're gonna move off topic. We go down this this yeah, rabbit hole. I, I was re referencing Portugal's heroin epidemic, and um, yes, uh, they didn't start. Okay, I agree. It's a bit of a false analogy. I was trying to provide a narrative of the types of solution that the government can actually work, which is where the government goes in and creates something. It doesn't like try to ban something and fight against it, but it creates alternatives. And when it creates alternatives, it tends to be more successful than when it tries to like create social controls and decide who should do what. I, I don't. I so I guess I would agree on a level outside of like if we're just talking about flavored cigarettes, because we're we're keeping nicotine, we're keeping the thing that people are addicted to that they want to keep getting. Um, that's still available. You can still buy a pack of cigarettes and stuff like that. It's just a lot of people have preferences towards menthol because, like, let's be honest, anyone who's smoked a cigarette before knows that on general, menthol kind of tastes better. Doesn't taste like doesn't taste like tobacco. It it has like a more easy flavor. It's a to get your flavor into. to it. It's nice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, now removing that, you're not you're not removing the entire aspect so i don't know that you're going to end up with this huge black market push for people who just need menthol cigarettes who aren't willing to just go to the store and spend five bucks for a pack of normal cigarettes no but some right mm -hmm. like we're talking statistics here there would be a certain amount of people that it would end up happening to because they just prefer that just as we have moonshiners you know mm -hmm. um i i there would it would create a community of that black market and then considering that most are minorities this would predominantly be a law that affects minorities in a negative way it just seems really weird to me the thought like so i understand that we would be uh targeting manufacturers and distributors here where no one we wouldn't be you know, throwing someone in jail for possessing a pack of menthols, right? No, no, we but wouldn't. it, you know, even then, like you know, I don't know. It just feels weird to me that then someone that really wants a pack of menthols is gonna be, like, you know, the kind of thing like I don't know. You, you're going to the back of someone's car and like you're know, looking over your shoulder, making sure no one's there. Like, I don't know. Should that apply to that whole feeling? Apply to a pack of cigarettes? So the an interesting point again. I'm going to point to point towards Canada, just because they had the, their their data actually has an interesting point on this. There was another group, slightly smaller, but almost equivalent to the people who just quit smoking, 
who started to buy because the menthol ban affected Canada, but not First Nations reserves. So people would be going to First Nation reserves to buy menthol cigarettes. So they'd be going basically to our um, our um, Native American reservations. So that way they nice. could buy menthol cigarettes. But that again, that group was smaller than the people who quit and much smaller than the people who just switched over to because it's almost three times the amount of people who. Uh, so the, the overall numbers are 60 percent just switched, 20 percent quit and 20 and 19 percent went to reservations for um, menthol cigarettes. Ugh, gross. This doesn't even fix the problem. <laughs> it's gross. I don't like it. I don't like at that, it. At that point, it fixes 80% of it. 80% oh. of the people who smoke menthols are no longer smoking menthols. Wait, you was know, that first an 80% amender. statistic? Did I, wait, did, wait, did, I, uh, 19, did I mishear 19, you? Only 19 went to, uh, only 19 went to buy it from reservations. 60% went to go just switch to regular cigarettes and then 21% quit smoking altogether. I think the government should make video games less fun. Uh, that's, <laughs> no. that's, that's going off topic. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay, perhaps. Yeah, it's extremely off topic. <laughs> Don't yeah, you love I mean, the analogy though? I mean, well, I mean, you would say that there, I think we would all agree there are pretty obvious health risks and negative health impacts to smoking, right? Like more so than more so than like eating sugar, even though that can be sugar can be debatable, but um, like eating bad or, or stuff like that, like um, smoking cigarettes, uh, drinking alcohol, doing most kinds of drugs. These are things that have pretty obvious negative health impacts, right? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Um, I, I would say we would all agree that doing things like smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, um, basically doing, yeah, yeah, have very have have pretty yep. serious negative health impacts, right? Yep, yep I'd agree yeah. that. Yep, and this is why normally like, uh, so like like if the goal of the ban is to drop the amount of people doing this, then I mean overall from the numbers that we have, it 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 does that. Like it it, it works to a level. The EU did it, and the, it it cut down to some level. I don't have the EU study in front of me, um, but like we we have countries where it actually it, it it does minimize the amount of people smoking. Now, does it obviously fix it? No. Do I think an outright ban would even fix it? No, because people are just going to grow their own tobacco. Like we're going to end up in a, in a wild world. But um, I guess I guess the, then the real question is is like okay. That are are we okay with this, or would we be okay with like let's say the idea of maybe not even banning, but let's say the government wants to increase taxes by five percent on all menthol products? With, with like where five, would you feel on that? Like like an percent tax on menthol products and an, an additional five percent tax like on it. top it, of the actual tax on tobacco that's already. Exists. I don't like it. I don't like it. It predominantly affects minorities. It makes people who are already poor even poorer. No, I'm against it. So I guess uh, what, what's everyone else's opinion? Because that was kind of like a soft transition into like um, sin taxes as a whole. Um, where, where do you where do you feel on like the government using taxes to incentivize people not to do X amount of thing? I'm I'm against it because. 
uh, we have a, like a disagreement of like if I list the types of things that uh, I want to be taxed, you'll be shocked because at some point I'm going to intersect something that you like doing that I consider consider self-destructive. I would say society would be better if X behavior is just you know reduced in intensity or uh, discouraged. And so we will quickly end up in a situation where you will call me legitimately a tyrant. And yet when we target vices, we get this sense that because we're forcefully saving another person's life or prolonging their life, uh, and because we feel responsible for their health through you know, funding, through being in the same boat in, boat in the healthcare system, somehow it's fine and justified. We just don't understand um, how ridiculous it can get and nobody feels the slippery slope right i I'd, I'd, I'd like to stay away from the slippery slope stuff you know we're talking about Maybe. one thing and it shouldn't be focused on the slippery slope i think i mean i think it makes sense i guess it it is always a case i guess of a slippery slope. we don't have to actually i guess go there but 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 i mean approaching it categorically i think there's a lot of things that as a category can get out of hand if you like keep moving down a slippery slope there's a i would say almost anything can end up bad if you keep pushing it too far but i think it just depends on you know what you're taxing and and what the outcomes are if you're reducing the behavior in so your society and it's having the like intended effect then then great if it's not then probably not any uh any good i mean if you you know say you ban alcohol and are you or you tax al alcohol to a point where it's no longer afford affordable and uh, and a black market emerges that uh, produces more harm for your society overall, then, then uh, it's probably time to roll that back. But if you can incre increase taxes in a way or uh, ban something in a way that you have the intended effect, then, then it's good, basically, in my book. So, more specifically on sin taxes, um, I guess I generally don't really mind. I don't really care if there's a nominal syntax. I, I, I don't have this kind of like deep-seated, you know, thing out of principle that I'd be against it. I mean, uh, I, I've seen like some states have, for example, a 10% tax on marijuana sales. Eh, it's it's small. It's it's nothing. It's it, it's such a little pittance like I, I feel like that's that's not really that much of a problem um it's where um it's like yeah things like that it seems it's more about you know getting a little bit of extra funding for the state government um but where it starts becoming something you know a really high rate where they're just doing this to try to you know prevent you from buying the product uh like i think in chicago you pay something like 12 13 dollars for a pack of cigarettes whereas the you know excluding taxes it's only like two bucks or so right even if you account for like the, the store's profit um and maybe off a little bit on that but like yeah things like that level i i, I take issue with that yeah and i can, I can point towards like exact example just because and granted this is three years ago anyone who lives in california i'm sorry if i'm wrong um when I I I uh, dipped when I was uh, in when I was young and in the military, and I bought 
like chewing tobacco in Missouri. It was about two bucks a can. When I was stationed in California, I would spend five plus ish for the exact same can of dip that I'd be buying here. So it was more than double the price based off taxes. Um, and I mean, it would be it would be disincentive. Like I would I would try to do it less. I would try to do, try to make each can last longer because yeah, it costs more. I have a a question then. Um, I noticed that we mentioned alcohol, and I do distinctly mm-hmm. distinctively remember that alcohol, out of all the list of vices, is at the very top uh, in terms of the damage that it does to society. So. Mm-hmm. Um, how does the same argument not work in like i don't know a decade from now uh on on the f- different flavors of whiskey and wine and other things that are so incredible that if you get addicted to them or even if you just enjoy them um you consume more of them because of, because they taste better than let's say a bottle of uh, of vodka that somebody would choose if they just wanted to get drunk by something that has the minimal amount of taste so wouldn't shouldn't we legislate all alcohol becoming vodka? So with alcohol, uh, when we had prohibition, what we noticed is that the downsides of prohibition were worse than the downsides of alcohol before prohibition, right? So we said, okay, we'll reverse that. I think that if you find something like that with menthol cigarettes then there probably would be a change. Like if, you know, we ban menthol cigarettes, the next thing you know, you know, we've got these, you know, mafiosos trying to move menthols to the street <laughs> and like having shootouts and whatnot. Okay. I, I could see us reversing that, but I don't think this is a good comparison because it's, it's, the scale is what makes it so different. And for, for an outright ban, definitely. I, I mean, America... And at least we had like um, we we don't have good numbers. We don't have good things to go off of for an alcohol ban, because I mean we tried it in America. It failed horrendously. Um, when it comes to menthol, we have a whole bunch of other similar countries who have banned like menthol or flavored tobacco, and it's actually worked out kind of well for them. Um, they didn't have the, now. Again, you can ideologically disagree with it, and that's fine. But like just on 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 basic numbers, like it 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 does what it's intended. Less people smoke. Uh, I'm not. I, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't argue the utility. I mean, the numbers are there. I, I guess it's just I don't know. I just don't like the idea that it's like you have people who are predominantly affected by the justice system in a negative way. This is literally something that would actually cause this to increase, and I'm against that just like fu- fundamentally same thing with like people in poverty if you have like you know if you have sin taxes the question is like if if you have a person who's like stuck in poverty um then the end result is that th- it would be a tax that predominantly affects poverty so like an example would be like cigarillos right wealthy people don't buy cigarillos because it's a it's 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 not it's an inferior product. A cigar is much better than a cigarillo. So who does this affect? This affects people in poverty. So like uh, therefore, a tax on cigarillos would actually it it would increase the level of taxation on poverty while the rich don't get taxed as much. So like 
I would consider this to be like an extremely regressive tax, and I don't, I, I don't think it should be enforced. Um, I, I get what you're saying there. I think though that you could uh, study it as far as, um, you know, say say if you were to look at sales within, uh, like poverty-stricken neighborhoods, and you saw like a fall off in and sales there, it might be that it, 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 I think it's possible it could provide a disincentive where people start to not spend money on that because it becomes not affordable. I mean, I guess, I guess it could go both ways, right? Like in, 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 in the kind of like the direction you're pointing to, I think, you know, it could make it, people could still buy the same amount of product and then it like damages their finances more. Um, or maybe it actually provides the disincentive and, and they don't spend as much money on it and that would be hypothetically good. But I think that you could I think that you could kind of look at that neighborhood by neighborhood where like, okay, did you know, did sales actually fall off in this, you know, uh, uh area with a high amount of prop poverty? I think that might be an indicator for how well the uh program's working, I guess. Why did those people start smoking though in the first place? And why do they like to me, it seems always like the, the, the cigarette is something that people do as a form. It's one of the forms of relaxation and escapism. Sure. It, and am I not, not am I like, it, it, especially in like hard people that live in, a, in under hardship um, and or, or they're in a stressful situation, they find this ritual uh, to be relaxing, even though they most of them recognize that. You know, it's generally making them weaker over time and it has health effects. Um, and once we, well, let's say that we, we demote this one form of relaxation, one form of escapism, without really solving the underlying problems. And we spend a lot of energy on doing this, energy that could have, been, could have gone into solving these problems. So wouldn't the people just find a new fad, a new form of escapism uh, that could be um, equally or even more destructive? That's definitely a risk, yeah. Right. Again, that's possible, but I'm not seeing anything to suggest that's probable. And uh, just on a on a quick statement, on I've heard a lot of people talk about like uh, like sin taxes in general being a negative and stuff like that. Um, are you guys okay with like the level of sin, like sin, quote unquote sin taxes that we have right now? Because we we're the U.S. is currently doing syntax on things like alcohol, tobacco, and stuff like that. It depends. I would have to look at it on a case by case basis. Uh, uh, like I I can I could see utility on a syntax, but like I okay. I at the same time I would also like I because it again like because of the uh, poverty thing like I want to see like how, like does this affect poverty more than it affects like wealthy people, right? Well, I mean by by sheer numbers, it's going to. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Well, like okay, the same way I would say a speeding, like, a speeding a... ticket is a harder impact on on people with less income than it is with people with more income. Well, like take for example, like if you have like a like a syntax specifically for like I don't know Tanqueray vodka or uh, gin, Tanqueray gin, right? Tanqueray gin is you know a more expensive product, and so like it's going to be you know it's going to be more akin to like people of middle class as opposed to like you know a, a bottle of Seagrams. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like I, I don't know I just I I would prefer it if the tax didn't predominantly affect poverty. Gotcha. So so I I guess what you're saying is you're more okay with like what we have 
I, I, and being very broad and not trying to paint you into a position. Um, like what we have now, we're like all like liquor. Anything falls under category of liquor has X amount of sin tax attributed to it. And then you have like softer alcohols like wines and um, beers that regardless of price have X percentage thrown onto the end of them. So whether, whether you're talking about a like um, $100 bottle of scotch or you're talking about Canadian mist, um, both of them had the same percent of sin tax on them, which is roughly how it goes right now. Okay, uh, I would probably be... I could see the argument for, like, in a city. Like, in a city, you would probably want to have a sin tax because, like, the amount of people consuming alcohol, like, by increasing the tax, it causes less people to consume alcohol, less violence. It's just generally a better city. But, like, a rural area, I don't see a justification for a sin tax because... while like it would negatively affect things, it's so like it would be so spread out and it, it wouldn't be as big of a deal, you know. And you're not surrounded by other people; you're around, you know, people you know. So, um, oh no, David, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say well, one thing I do like about it, and I well, I guess I'm not familiar with how every state applies these, but I li- I like the idea that sometimes these taxes are more targeted as far as like where the funds actually. So, like in, in in Missouri here, um, um, it's deposited in the state school money fund and like certain like health initiatives. So I'm not really sure if that if that actually works out in a much more beneficial way. But it definitely um, seem seem it. it I, I like the idea that it's more targeted. Like we're applying, mm-hmm. you know, say this tax and it goes to a specific place. A lot, of, a lot of states do something similar where they pump, whether it's through um, into the education fund or like highway highway enforcement. So like uh, your your highway patrol or different DUI preventative measures and stuff like that. A lot of sin taxes go into funding things that fight against what the sin tax is in, in purpose for. It kind of makes it a double-edged sword almost. It's a disincentive and, and addresses it in other ways as well. Mm-hmm. No, I was going to raise um, because we're kind of going around similar argument. Um, I I had a new thought about uh, something additional we should talk about. This idea that uh, the government can experiment by, you know, let's just do this. Let's do this helpful thing. Um, And then certain businesses will go out of business as a result because we're not really punishing people, which is great. It's an upgrade over past experiences. We're now just punishing the businesses that were in that realm. And then let's see, let's say in five or 10 years, we see, oh, it's no longer a problem or the government was wrong. Um, You know, something else replaced uh, this product. Now there are other products. Um, It becomes an issue of, will the government ever stop looking for businesses that it can tie to societal costs and then basically uh, just ban? Or will it be just a series of them where, uh, you know, first they ban it and then uh, they suddenly have plans to reapprove it, at which point uh, various government officials get tipped off and, um, mm. and, oh. and, and, and have this relationship with industry members. So there is a great incentive for politicians to do so, not necessarily an experiment, um, if they personally even benefit from such experiments. Uh, okay, that's that's not like a good example though, because uh, 
you know, as we've just established earlier, the companies that are offering these products in this case don't lose particularly much money from the sale of these these uh, don't make particularly much money in relation to their overall sales from the sales of these menthol cigarettes because they they usually are already in the cigarette industries. I personally don't know any any small companies that you know sell cigarettes that much, be it because of the legal reasons behind it or the or the just general monopolies that some of these businesses have. Uh, especially the bigger ones in regards to uh, the whole cigarette market. So saying that that you're banning businesses isn't really a good statement, and you aren't experimenting. Like in this case, you aren't experimenting. There's clear precedent that has been set in the past that says, "Hey, doing this is is a good thing. It achieves plausible and functioning results." Right. So again, those figures that we had, um, I just remember because I've mentioned twice, and the numbers fit so nice and neatly. It was about three fifths in Canada of uh, people who smoked menthol just switched to another cigarette. Um, one fifth just went and bought menthols on the reservation, and one fifth quit. Right. Um, yep. So what we see with these companies, right? Most menthols are under a giant name brand, right? So maybe you're getting uh, Marlboro menthols, right? Well, okay, now you get Marlboros. Um, maybe you're getting camel menthols. Well, now you'll get the camel, right? Um, generally speaking, it's not like we have a private business that's just engaged in one. Um, I'm pretty sure um, Newport's is owned by Philip Morris, which owns like a third or a third to half of like all the tobacco brands, right? This would be, yeah. Um, it, it doesn't seem like it, there's a particular business that's going to be um, really ruined by this. Uh, right, but if we're talking about all the sin taxes, and if we look at all the various sin products and alcohol at the top, uh, we actually had a con um, maybe 20, 25, or even 30 years ago, if you looked at a typical shelf in your local grocery, you would see like the four typical or five maybe brands of beer, and you just didn't have even room in the fridge for anything else. And then we had a craft beer uh, industry that emerged in the last roughly this, this length of time. Um, and suddenly you have a new refrigerator with craft beer in it. And you have all of these small producers. Um, all of these people, if there was a ban on flavored beer because beer is bad for you, and it is. It's not a drink that you should drink daily, for example, in my opinion. right? And then if we followed the very same procedure and banned the sale of um, you know, flavorful, tasty craft beer and only left the, the very light and bland stuff, um, we would be able to say, hey, we didn't actually destroy any businesses because we didn't even uh, have a chance to exist because of all the prior regulation that we had. I mean, the, the picture you're painting is terrifying. <laughs> Not my craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, agree I feel that, personally that, attacked by not drinking beer every day. Um, <laughs> I, I agree that temptation is definitely always going to be there to push it and for, push it further and further, as you said, like attaching uh, particular costs to particular industries, and 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 in some sense, it is experimenting with potentially their livelihoods. Um, I, I think that's always going to be a risk involved with like this type of legislation, but. I would rather it be framed as an experiment, I guess, even though that sounds like you're, you know, toying with people's lives, just in that 
at least in that framework, the the idea is already present that if this isn't uh, seeming to be beneficial, we can roll it back as opposed to just we're going to pass it and never look back. But, but yeah, I, I, I agree that threat will always be there. It's just a manage of uh, or a matter of how responsibly we can handle it. So the other side of the, this discussion, the utilitarians, you're convinced that um, this cannot have, like that, that we're so clear about the tobacco part that it will never extend to other vices and will just be restricted to this tobacco. And clearly the only ones we will hurt are the existing tobacco monopolies. So and only I, slightly. I feel like Casimir, what's been pointed out is that it's like eight different ways you've raised a, a slippery slope. And basically, I think, you know, um, I, I don't think uh, the slope really looks quite that slippery as you're trying to make it out to be. Um, and it's just been like the same slippery slope over and over again. I, I don't know. I, I just felt like, you know, it would be uh, in good faith. It would be best to kind of look at this on its face. Um, I'm not as interested in, you know, the far you know reaches of the slippery slope because if we if we seriously you know took the far reaches of the slippery slope the way that you are we might as well just apply it to government and then say we're all you know and caps or and comms just different flavors of coffee so well here, uh, i feel like i'm i'm, I'm, I'm betraying right. sorry i have to oh, quip really quickly i am betraying the libertarian uh, uh tag by not saying taxation and theft in the middle of the conversation, but I'm, I'm trying to, to restrict it to a more, um, uh, you know, logically structured argument to explain why there is an issue. It's a power yeah. grab. So, so in the end, if it comes down to this, this, um, this, this, if they do this, then what about the next thing and the next thing? In the end, I'll probably be hand in hand with you, my dude, on the next, on most of the next things when it comes Very down beautiful. to it. Yeah, we, we, me, you, me, me, the uh, social democrat, and you, the libertarian, can be holding hands, talking about how shitty the government is for trying to ban this. I, I, I will be with you. Um, it, it will be like that scene from uh, um, uh, um, Brother Where Art Thou, when where we're both hanging or about to hang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but yeah, in the but but like on on this one, like and again. It, government never stops it might go further it might stay where it's at it might move on to something else um at, at on, on this point like on on the menthols and and like just overall syntax like I, I don't really have a problem with where it's at right now i don't really have a huge issue with the idea of um a menthol ban right now now, granted, if it moves on to like flavored liquor, you can only get straight straight bourbon, straight whiskey, straight vodka. Not going to affect me very much because I only buy straight fucking liquor. But I'll be right there with you saying this is dumb. We don't have any research to show that this helps in any way. Whereas with like flavored tobacco, we do. We have we have we have data to point towards saying that this is better. Um, my my only hang up, my only like like nagging Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder on this is how much I'm okay with the government superseding into this. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the ideological standpoint on it. For sure. And you were questioned on the data because I mean, 
the, the data is one of the methods that we can analyze things, but there are other things like models and, you know, we don't take um, traditions too kindly these days, but there are criticisms of data and how data is generated. But I don't want to go off topic. Maybe somebody wants to get back on the, the main thing. Libertarians, if they come after my craft beer, that's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we should try and move on to another point because we're kind of getting stuck in the same arguments. <laughs> give me PBR or give me death. Sorry, does that does that still count as craft beer? Uh, I don't know if it does. I feel like it's in limbo, kind of. Hey, as, lo as long as longer, right? as long as since I'm from St. Louis, we're okay with saying that I'm supporting my local brewery by drinking Budweiser. I'm all right with that. Oh, okay, okay. As a German, as a German, I hate you for that comment. <laughs> Man, we have so much good beer, beer here out by St. Louis. Hey, I gotta support local breweries. As a Russian, something, something Germans. I don't know if I. I guess I wouldn't put Pabst in the in the in the craft beer category. I could be wrong on that. But we don't even get Pabst? too far into that. That's a big old production beer, man. Well, Tim, I guess I. Like I don't have. I don't have too much more questions. Do you, yeah. do you got anything off the top of your head? No, I. I think that's good. Yeah, we're all. Defender of craft beer together, just like Sam Adams and the rest of the drunkards in Boston. You can keep <laughs> your hoppy mess. I will drink a lager over here. All right. Well, we should, we should have um, a podcast. Do have a podcast about beer. We can, we can yeah. definitely <laughs> fight about beer. No one wants to hear us drunk talking about what kind of beer we like to drink when we're drunk. Anyways. You, discover new you guys things, are you drunk? Know? It's Wednesday. I was beer ignorant once what is too. Happening? I'm just it's sitting here getting shamed for drinking every day. All right, whatever. Uh, no. I, I didn't know about the the based Belgians. Oh. So, uh, yeah, we'll 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 close up here. Uh, so we do this now every night at 10 Eastern. Join us tomorrow night. We will talk about the pullout method, specifically in regards to Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this, and I'll see you guys tomorrow.